people, my public, my friends, and welcome to another edition of Coyote Calls with Mike Sherpak. That's me, your host. And uh, boy, it didn't take long for Taylor Hall to make his presence known. Uh, but you know, to tell you the truth, it was just good old Coyotes hockey. Before we get too far into it, I wanted to go ahead and take a quick second to thank Sabaki Ball International. They're our sponsor. For those of you that don't know, I've been involved with Sabaki Ball since its inception in 2009. It is now played all across the United States. It's very big in Canada. It's played in every province in Canada. And I think a lot of the attraction there is that it's very similar in its strategies to hockey. And one of the things I love about it is non-stop action, literally non-stop for 20-minute periods similar to hockey but one of the things that makes it very different is that the goalie in sabaki ball actually plays a forward offensive position when the team is in uh, control of the ball so it just incorporates all of the players all of the time non-stop you can check it out at sabakiball.com s-a-b-a-k-i ball okay so the first 10 minutes of this game against the sharks was phenomenal. I mean, it was just a great first 10 minutes. And the boys were flying. It was really good to see because I wanted to see how they were going to bounce back. Even though, if you think about it, they always bounce back. I saw a stat the other day, and uh, I believe that it was, there's no other team in hockey this season that always comes back with a win after two losses. I'm pretty sure I'm remembering that right, other than the Arizona Coyotes. And it just seems like for the past, I think it's been probably six games, eight games. It's a win and a loss, then a win and a loss, then a win and a loss. And uh, so I I really did expect that we were going to come away with a win on this one, no matter how hard everybody tried to make them lose. So let me just go ahead and jump to that real quick to get it out of the way and then we'll focus on something else so the second sharks goal uh came because i mean it was a nice shot over the shoulder talk about that a little bit in a minute but nice shot over the shoulder but the whole play developed because a puck hit the linesman uh skate and so on a clearing attempt where it was successfully cleared. And so everybody started going one way and then boom, the puck hits a skate. One of the sharks is able to corral that puck off of the official skate and make a pass up ice and create that scoring opportunity that went in over Kemper's shoulder. Now that, you know, no big deal. It happens all the time. But there were numerous opportunities for the officials to call things one way or the other. And it seemed to me in the third period, the referees had pretty much put the whistles away. I remember thinking to myself, well, it looks like they're going to let this one play out. And then the linesman decided, you know, I better get involved again. I don't know. I can say this. Nobody else can. Now with uh, legal gambling in sports, being so prevalent, you got to wonder when obviously the two referees have stopped making calls and then the linesman goes, oh, you know, you might have actually directed that puck with your hand off the face off. 
Brad Richardson, so we're going to give you two minutes for that. And then all of a sudden you start to see the momentum of this game shift. Um, how many times have you seen guys getting cross-checked in front of the net or when there's a scrum in the corner and you've got three, four, five guys all in the corner looking for a position on the puck, and so somebody's getting repeatedly cross-checked, you know, in the back, and we call them love taps, and you see it all the time, but oh, no, no, we're going to go ahead and call one of those at a crucial point in the game when you're already down a man. Oh, why were we down a man? Because a Coyotes player, Lubushkin, I think, had his helmet knocked off of his head with somebody's fist. So, so he's in the corner working on a scrum. Somebody comes in behind him, punches him in the back of his head. His helmet falls off. He stays with the play, and the referee blows it down and gives him two minutes for playing with your helmet off. Now, I'm not going to tell you how I feel about that rule in the first place because I grew up playing hockey in the 70s. And so I can remember when they started making us as children <laughs> wear helmets in the 60s and uh, then face masks in the 70s. But, so you've already made this one call. I mean, come on, if you're going to make that call, how about calling the guy that knocked the helmet off your head? You're going to go ahead and make that call, and now you're going to go ahead and make that cheap cross-check call. And, I, and if you're a Sharks fan, hey, he deserved to get called for that. That was a big cross-check. Oh, I'm not even going to say it wasn't. I'm going to say that 80% of the time, easily 80% of the time, and at that particular point in a game with somebody already in the box, let's go 90% of the time, that call isn't made. That cross-checking call is not made. So now you go six on three. <laughs> this is reminiscent of something we saw at the end of the season last year. I was at a game. The Coyotes were on a six-on-three, couldn't get a shot off, and so now it was somebody else in the Western Conference that just can't seem to get the puck in the net, and so fortunately, we weathered that storm there. My rant is over. Sometimes it does just seem like the officials have money on the game and make some absolutely ridiculous calls, but with the game on the line, the boys did bend, but they did not break. Let's uh, make a couple of observations here. First of all, um, Soderberg, fantastic job continuing on to make his presence known as a Coyote. And more and more, I'm enjoying his game. Just good, hard-nosed hockey. And if you've been listening to my podcasts uh, for a while, um, you know that I enjoy watching that kind of hockey. And I appreciate guys that play that way. The Derek Stepan goal was phenomenal. First of all, the pass from Kraus was beautiful. But the presence of mind for Stepan to be able to take that on the backhand to the forehand, running out of real estate. I mean, he was already, when that puck hit his stick on the backhand, he was already right on top of the goaltender, but still had the presence to move it to the forehand and put it neatly away. That was just an absolutely beautiful goal. And then, you know, it, it was a nice tight game for a while, and for the rest of the game, until after the uh, Coyote score with just two and a half minutes left. That was such a big play by Hall to go into the 
uh, to go behind the net the way he did, actually into the corner, got his uh, body somehow. I mean, he was all tangled up with the defense, somehow got himself free, and was able to pop that puck out to Oliver ekman Larson. And while the media has really liked to focus on Taylor Hall's nice pass from behind the net, if you watch that goals by uh, by Oliver ekman Larson, it was a Amazing he got the shot off at all. And I know, yeah, he would have gone wide if it hadn't hit somebody in front and bounced in. But he, he got that puck just on the heel of his stick. I mean, he was barely able to corral that in and get a shot off at all. And the fact that he got a nice hard shot that was able to ricochet in off of the defense, that was that was huge. I wanted to um, talk about the last couple of games that the Coyotes' defense has kept guys from getting around them. They tried a couple of times, the Sharks did, and you know they're watching tape. There were uh, several games in a row, maybe uh, four or five games ago, where we were just getting burned over and over again. And I mean burned with goals being scored, being caught flat-footed on defense and having an offensive rush just kind of walk right around the defense and put one home. And so there was a couple of opportunities for Sharks players to do that, and we weren't giving that up. So there must have been something done in practice that addressed the fact that people were getting around the defense, turning um, basically plays that should have been kept to the outside, those plays instead turning into semi-breakaway opportunities. And uh, so it was good to see that the defense has made those adjustments. The last couple of games has really been that way. All right, let me talk a little bit about how I see, and I, you know, believe me, we'll all get over it in another two or three games, the whole Taylor Hall thing. I got to go off on um, 98.7 FM, Burns and Gambo. I was listening to an interview they were doing with Shane Doan, and I know, you know, God love them, they like to do their 15 minutes a week of Coyotes coverage, and it's nice to hear Shane Doan making observations, so I'll give... Burns and Gabo that. But so I'm listening to this interview and I'm hoping that I misunderstood because when I when I heard them say near the end of the interview, they asked Shane Doan. So uh, you know, talking about the pressure that's put on Taylor Hall coming to the Coyotes, you know, isn't this kind of the case of a great player coming to a bad team? And how did Donor think that Taylor Hall would handle that? strategic pause here do they not watch the games burns and gamble i mean do these guys not watch the games do they just check a highlight reel once in a while before having somebody on a great player coming to a bad team hey guys the last time i looked we were in first place oh the last time i looked we've been back and forth in first place either tied for first place or just a point out of first place or in first place for what, a week and a half, two weeks now? And so while they can keep going on and on about the lousy Phoenix Suns and the horrible Arizona Cardinals, it's amazing to me that they will find ways to continue to bash the only winning team in the Valley in the Arizona Coyotes. And not just the only winning team in the Valley, a first place team 
with bona fide talent before Taylor Hall came over. So good observation, guys. Really good question. Good job doing your homework. All right. So thank you for allowing me that little bit of thing. A couple games will go by. We'll, we'll realize that Taylor Hall is a Coyote, and we're going just to accept that and start to talk about the team as a team again instead of as an individual. And speaking of individual play, is Phil Kessel ever going to take a shot? He was set up beautifully by Taylor Hall and still didn't pull the trigger. We're going to take a quick break and then come right back. Hey, folks, if you're looking for an exciting sport, nonstop action without the contact, you have to check out Sabaki Ball. Sabaki Ball is being played all across the United States and Canada, utilizing much of the same strategies of hockey. For more information, check out sabakiball.com. That's S-A-B-A-K-I Ball. Okay, well, here we are back again with the final segment of the show, and I wanted to touch on something that I had uh, spoken of earlier in the podcast. That was the um, over-the-shoulder shot that scored on Kemper. You know, we're going to have to watch this as time goes on because if memory serves me well, in the past three games, there have been at least three, maybe four, goals scored uh, the past three games that Kemper has played over that shoulder. So I was watching him a little bit more carefully the other night, and, you know, one of he, he's a big guy, and one of his things uh, that he does well is he drops down, you know, not so much into a butterfly all the time, but uh, putting one leg down, one knee down. And um, I, I think he's doing it just a touch early. I think it, I think that he's going down just a bit earlier than he had been at the beginning of the season. And I'm wondering if other teams aren't seeing film on this because, um, you know, now don't get me wrong, it could be that people are just in the moment seeing that upper corner. But there, it's almost automatic that shots are being taken targeting those upper corners over the shoulder. So it's going to be really interesting. If you watch uh, the next game or so and, and take a look at where these guys are taking their shots, are they all going towards the upper corners? You know, when I was a kid, my dad used to hang coffee cans from the top of the goal. So the coffee can was dangling just in front of the corners. And for every time my brother or I could hit a coffee can, we'd get a Hershey chocolate bar. And we're not unusual. People have been trying to hit those coffee cans for many, many years. And so, uh, you know, this is something that we should just be aware of. I'm sure that the coaches are aware of it. I'm sure that they look at, you know, where goals are going in and the statistics, analytics, and all of that kind of stuff. So we'll be looking for um, some adjustment to be made there, if indeed I'm right, and opposing teams are starting to uh, be more aware of the fact that he does tend to go down kind of quickly. I have been enjoying the bend, don't break mentality. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this. I don't think I did touch on it because it was a few weeks ago, and you know I had taken some time off before doing a podcast this 
rookie season. But uh, there was an article after we had beaten Edmonton earlier. I think it was the last game, actually, that we played Edmonton. We had beaten Edmonton in a, in a, a one-goal game, and the Edmonton press, somebody up there, came up with an article about how boring it is to watch the Coyotes play. It's kind of funny because he did that after a loss to the Coyotes. So it's kind of easy to say that they're boring to watch. So I've been trying ever since that um, article came out, I've been trying to watch and see just how boring the Coyotes are. And I'd love your feedback. I, I mean, I, even if you're not a Coyotes fan, but you're just listening, I know we have some listeners from Chicago, um, et cetera. So I would like to know your feelings. When I'm watching the Coyotes play, this is what I'm saying. I am seeing them at their best when they're strong on the forecheck. Dump the puck, get in on the puck, hit the corners hard and fast, dig it out. But I also see an awful lot of offensive opportunities on the rush where a play will be broken up in our own defensive end and a quick pass out and a strong one or two player rush up ice that doesn't always turn into a shot and goal, but a lot of times just pulling up and waiting for everybody else to catch up. There's a lot of speed on this team. And so it's interesting to watch how the guys can get one or two players on an offensive rush. And then instead of actually finishing it up, just kind of pull up once you're across the blue line and wait for the rest of the troops to join you. So I see two ways that the Coyotes primarily move the puck up the ice into the offensive zone. One is to dump and chase, and the other is on a fast break. Well, if a team is doing both of those things consistently, which I believe the Coyotes do them both consistently, uh, that's not boring. That's hockey. That's <laughs> that's how you play hockey. Uh, Dave Tippett's Coyotes were a dump and chase team. You know, teams with fast um forwards they are a fast rush team and this is just fundamental hockey and so to have a team that's capable of doing both i think is anything but boring and i think where this gentleman's um viewpoint came from was he was looking at a lot of the play in uh the middle of the ice the neutral zone okay the the space between the blue lines but again, isn't this fundamental hockey? I mean, you want to try and keep the opposition from gaining the blue line, right? That's basic hockey right there. And so if you're standing guys up at the blue line or you're bumping guys so they don't get around you at the blue line, if you're making strong plays on the uh, four check as the other team is coming out of their own zone, if you're making sure that between the offensive blue line and the red line that you're clogging up the middle and intercepting passes. I don't know. It might seem boring to some people who are used to more wide open shootout kind of mentality, but it looks to me like what Dave, what, uh, Dave, I was going to say Dave Tippett, what Tockett has the guys doing right now is kind of a combination of several different strategies. And he has the talent on the team in different players to do different things. And to me, as a hockey fan, I just find that fun and interesting to be able to watch these guys do that kind of, uh, that kind of play. We're all out of time, and so I just want to thank you for joining me once again. We're going to be back at you after the game against Minnesota. And until then, have a great one. We'll talk soon.